Attention. Attention detail. Listen up and lead well. You're a VIP, giving you what you need to succeed. Be best you be in your own company. Attention detail one by one, step by step to get the job done. Pops are gonna break it down to you. I ask questions, get the show started further. Attention detail. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Attention to Detail with Eric Bird. Moving your brand forward as artists, leaders, and influencers. I'm your host, Jason Bird. This show is sponsored by VIP Consulting, Leadership Done Well. VIP trains leaders in the skills they'll need to take their organization to the next level. Vision casting, conflict resolution, staff and volunteer management, and more. VIP Consulting helps clients create an action plan and works alongside you to execute it. Experience what faith-based institutions, individuals, and organizations have come to learn. VIP Consulting gives you the VIP treatment. Go to ericbird.com for more information. Again, welcome to Attention to Detail with Eric Bird, moving your brand forward. And this is really, uh, this is, I know I say this a lot. I say that this is a special episode, but this is super special because we get to have my favorite guest all time on here this is the my face she's shaking her head already but this is my favorite guest ever really because my favorite guest uh is going to talk about in our back to school edition about resources and things for parents and teachers and things like that but a person that needs no introduction the dog is here that's the dog is asleep Attention. at the end of the bed, so there's Chai the dog. But now, and then our also our special guest Attention. is Miss Leslie Bird. So let me just first of all say hello, Leslie. Hello. This is maybe only the second time in life I've Attention. actually called you by your birth name. That is true. Leslie. She is Leslie Bird. Uh, very quickly, she is the Attention. wife of Eric Bird, the host of Attention to Detail, and I call her Goldie. One thing I don't think we ever Attention. talked about is that did you ever mind the nickname Gold? I mean, it's been 20 years, but I mean, I don't really think I had a choice. You don't choice. think about it. No. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't remember your name. So the story goes that we were on campus, uh, we were at college, and I couldn't remember her name because I'm not good with names. I asked you what cereal you ate that morning, and you said Golden Grams. And so since then, I said, "Great, it's now Goldie. It's Goldie." So imagine if you. <laughs> Imagine Lucky if you charms. ate boots. <laughs> Imagine if you had booberry. <laughs> then you'd be boo-boo. Or if you had count chocula or or what was the thing? What was the what was the cereal that I used to eat with the frog and it was honey? Is was it honey smacks? Maybe. Yeah, they don't make that anymore. Then your name would be honey. Honey smacks. Honey's honey smacks bird. Which I don't think. Did I say your name when we got married? Like yes, you had you to. Take, I had to take, or that wouldn't have been legal. Maybe that was a way out. I don't know. <laughs> For us both. So, Goldie, you have been uh, in education your really your entire adult life, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been in education. I'm not going to tell folk how old you are, but we're going on like 20 years mm-hmm. of being an educator. So why don't you give the people at home a brief uh, overview of what your educational, occupational life has been over these 20 years? You started as a, and now you're a... So I started as a novice math teacher, and um, I've pretty much 
well, now I've only been in three schools for my entire 20-year teaching career. Took some time off to be with the boys at home and and be a mom, full-time mom for a while. And uh, now my current position is I'm a math specialist, so I get to work with both teachers and students a little bit more behind the scenes than in my own classroom. So as a math specialist, you're not, or are you, uh, you're not a classroom teacher. I'm not a classroom teacher. So you're kind of like a resource person kind of thing, is that? In many ways. It's like in many someone ways. who's not in the school, that's how they, you're I'm not a resource. Yeah, I'm not considered a teacher of record. I work with, you know, individual kids, small groups of kids. Um, I get to work with parents sometimes. I get to work with administrators. I get to work with teachers. Now, as I tell you guys that are listening and by the way thank you for being such avid listeners i get a chance to see the analytics uh every time i upload a show and it's been great it's been great to be able to uh see where the show goes um i don't i don't uh we don't talk about what we're going to talk about we don't talk about what we're going to talk about we don't pre-warn or whatever so any information that you get um especially in the interview type type stuff uh, all of this is just kind of off the cuff, and I think that's important because um, I think that's a person at their natural, in their natural environment. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how have you seen, in your opinion, how have you seen education change over the last 20 years? Obviously technology, but how have you seen education change in both its perception, how families and community perceive teachers and educators and um, in actual practice in what was expected of you to teach students 20 years ago and how that expectation has changed now. So the educational system is is constantly uh, growing and learning. So we're we're constantly adapting. And if I think back as my own self and, and think about the practices I did 20 years in a classroom, I would probably be embarrassed to talk about uh, the amount of worksheets and the, the, the very dry uh, classroom that I had because it, that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah. I kind of taught the way that I was taught. I loved my teachers. I thought they were all great. But my, and I think about it. When you started, the internet hadn't wasn't invented. Not not really. Like we weren't we weren't using technology like that. Right. We had emails, but it wasn't you, okay. you know the greatest thing ever was when we got our own like online grade books. Like people were using these you know very beta tested right. programs, right. and people thought they were great. Um, you know, back in the day, we had our own grade book and grades were hidden from kids and parents and they didn't find out until either somebody called them or it was too late. And so a lot of times parents left a lot of their trust um, in the educator and the educational system that they were doing the right thing for their students. Right. Um, and they only heard if probably something went terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Very rarely probably were they even hearing if something was going uh, extremely well. And so moving along this 20-year span, um, education has become a little bit more of an open book. Um, the goal is to, you know, intricately involve teachers, administrators, students, parents, community in the education of the whole child. Okay. Um, we're looking at, you know, we've expanded programs into career and technology. We've expanded into internships, into, you know, paid internships, um, work study programs, uh, you know, specialized magnet schools, great things just to bring community and parents and schools into, you know, uh, the 21st century of learning. 
um, in doing so, uh, you know, a lot of that being open book leaves you a lot of, you know, open to criticism because you're not going to make everyone happy. Okay. So we've turned into a little bit of a, uh, a super mart where we're trying to house everything now and give students right. as many options as possible, which is awesome. But it still uh, stretches our resources very thin. Do you think that's, do you think that's an unrealistic goal? I think it's unrealistic that we can do all things th that well. And okay. so in, in some ways we are in trying to offer everything within the public school system. Um, we're still, you know, missing kids and not meeting kids needs because yeah. we're, we're stretched really thin, thin in staff and students, um, you know, funding constantly. And there's always a need for more, even with as much technology as we have. We're always looking for what's the next thing and, and we need more of it. And I, that that's a nice segue. It's almost like we know each other. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, girl. Um, <laughs> talk about technology. So technology has obviously changed. And is technology a necessary evil, or do you see it as, wow, this is a great tool, it's a great resource? So technology has brought incredible enhancements, you know, in education. Um, you know, things that we you know, would have to wait for our instant. Now we can bring real world into the classrooms. We have calculating tools and mathematics that never existed. Wow. Um, you know, the ability to take online field trips and resources that students would never have access to, um, depending on where they lived or their access to, um, you know, just different, different regions of the world. I mean, there are schools that have pen pals and live feed with, with children across the nation and the country. Yeah. And it, it's, it's amazing what the technology can do. Unfortunately, sometimes the technology is used not to enhance education, which is what its main purpose should be, mm -hmm. but it's used as a replacement for or um, it's it's come with this, its issues. Yeah. Um, cell phones in the classroom are always a huge talking point, pluses and not minuses. Not with our children. Yes, hopefully not with our children. Um, but, you know, they, they come with their pluses and minuses. And teaching good digital citizenship is a full-time job now of all teachers. That's something yeah. we didn't grow up with. Right. And now we're being expected to, to teach it, infuse it into all of our classrooms, whether you're teaching... English, math, social studies, or French. Yeah, we had we had a class on good abacus usage. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> like when I was growing up, we had the to, slide rule. You had to you had to be <laughs> safe with your bottle caps as you counted with that's the <laughs> bottle caps. Um, um, COVID, COVID has changed the game. Uh, we're going to be talking all month about embracing adv adversity. I I firmly believe. I'm sure you do too that adversity gives leaders an opportunity to lead even better, mm -hmm. to adapt, to grow, to be pliable, flexible. So COVID, uh, right off the dribble, let's just say COVID stinks. It just really threw a monkey wrench in the whole shebang-a-bang because nobody, no educator wakes up and decides that tomorrow we're going to now go to a completely different platform, never see your students, go to a completely different way of, can you talk about just what, can you go to last spring mm -hmm. and just talk from the inside out, even if it's emotionally, personally, just what it's like to go from 
Friday, I saw students, I saw my colleagues, I saw my administrators. We're talking about what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, this COVID thing is going to be bad, I guess. And then the realization of, wow, there's some students I'm never going to see again. And I have to still educate the ones that are left behind. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, no teacher will ever ever say, I got into education to sit behind a computer screen. Um, You know, students are kind of the life force. So a school building without students, a classroom without students, um, you know, you lose your energy. Um, It's very difficult in conveying that same kind of energy and passion through the screen. Although teachers are doing amazing work trying to uh, replicate that feeling within the classroom. But just uh, going through kind of the motions of thinking, okay, these are the possibilities. We might be completely online for a while, but I'm sure we're we're going to be back into the classroom. Teachers were putting band-aids on things for the meantime. So trying to support students' social emotional learning. Students were thrown into um, kind of chaos. You know, now I have to do school at home. Separating school and home life became extremely difficult for both students, families, um, parents, teachers, it, it all got meshed together sure. on top of this pandemic. And so the the sad thing is we literally, what you said, we lost students. We, yeah. we lost them. Um, you know, some students moved in the middle of this. Their parents lost their jobs, and the only thing they could do was move. Right. Some students, um, especially at the high school age, went to work to be full-time employees, Um And school was not a priority because I have to help support my family. And that's the reality. So COVID shined a giant uh, spotlight on the equity issues we have within our school system. And inequity. Yeah, and inequity. It's definitely the, the... Plus of COVID is we were forced to acknowledge some things um, that we probably would have continued to do, implement, or not notice, put at the the forefront of education had this not happened. So it's it's a shame, um, but just technology and access to information, even just the ability of students to advocate for themselves and how they go through those steps and who do I talk to so much we took for granted that when when they were in the school building we just kind of maybe sometimes did it for them and you know we're looking at at the high school level where I where I am you know we're looking at 14 15 16 17 18 year olds that are going into the real world um, and they don't all of a sudden turn on a light switch and COVID has really made us think about how do we teach skills that are what we call soft skills for students? How do we teach them executive functioning? Um, Math is important, but how do we teach them how to problem solve technology? When this button doesn't work, what do you do? When this happens, what's your backup? How do we teach you, you know, where your resources are? And that's a lot more of what we've used or what we're doing now in the fall. So it's a huge change from the spring is we know what we lost. Okay. And now we're trying to, to coach, for the, yeah, coach for the future. So tons more resources. Um, the fall and the spring are two different things. Uh, fall or spring for us was what we called emergency like right. learning. I mean, right. everybody was just all hands on deck, all hours of day and putting band-aids on things. The fall experience has been more knowingly um, preparing for those problems. Okay. Sad thing still is we, we're still losing students. We're still losing wow. students, but sometimes for different reasons. Um, not necessarily all the same reasons we lost uh, track of some students in, in the spring. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So it goes from, you know, we're trying to just get through the next week, day, mm-hmm. maybe even hour, 
to okay so we're we know that this is the this is the, the game mm-hmm. this is the deal and so now we had a summer we had a month or so to be able to plan a little bit more intentionally for that mm-hmm. is what you're saying um i don't want to get you in trouble um and you know i'm good for that absolutely 20 years mm-hmm. going strong girl uh <laughs> i don't get you in trouble but I'm trying to find a tactful way of asking the following question. Uh, What is your answer for the parent who just sees my kid is not able to go to school or physically go be in the building? Mm Mm-hmm. My kid is unable to participate in extracurriculars like sports, um, drama, music, jazz band. Um, and frequently the response is a quick fill in the blank needs to just open up the schools and everybody needs to go back full time. Mm-hmm. What is your measured response to something like that? from the inside out because mm-hmm. a lot of people just want what they used to have and I get it because change is difficult for us all it's not easy to embrace change but it's not just flipping a switch unlocking the door and everybody goes in can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that so you know just the first part of people just want kids back in school I don't think what they really realize is if kids go back to school it's not going to be the school that they remember mm. and in some ways that's good and bad we don't necessarily want to go back to all of our old ways okay um and that'll preach you know the other flip side is school is not at this point going to be the social interaction that your student was craving um we have taken a lot of the the past years to move away from the sit and get and stand and deliver teaching that was given to us at the time when when we were doing that that's what we knew was best now we know better so we do better so a lot of our classrooms are collaborative environments with group work and talking and um not sitting in desk for 90 minutes in in our case and so to go back into a school and have a student sit for hours in a day in in very, you know, in isolation, moved yeah. away from peers, that's not the school we want to go back to. Okay. So I caution parents, when you say your student wants to go back to school, I know what you're talking about, but that's not the school they're going to go back to. Mm, okay. At least not right away. And okay. no time in the near future that we can think about. Right. The harm in sending back students back to school in that environment, and in some ways in sending teachers back into into that environment may set ed- education back those 20 years. Wow. Because it's taken a lot of time to get away from the teacher being the center stage of the classroom. Okay. And to fall back into those habits out of necessity could be detrimental to the movement of education and where it's headed. Wow. So I I get there's no good answer right now. Everybody wants their kids back in school. I will tell you every teacher wants to be back in front of students. Right. Uh, this is not fun. The days are very long. And for both parents, teachers, and students, I, I know there's super long days, parents coming home from their own jobs or working all day on the computer, and now I'm trying to help my kid, you know, do math class, and I'm trying to figure out where everything is. Yeah. I totally emp- empathize with with parents, teachers, and students, but um, the classroom you'd go back into is not necessarily the welcoming classroom that you want to be in. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. That's really so good. we do have, have students that have to be in school 
uh, due to, to lack of technology or we have certain needs that we need to meet for them beyond a computer screen and, yeah. and people are having to get creative. But when parents generally say, I need my kid back in school, I don't think it's the school that you think you're sending them back to. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the school that the school that we will eventually send our kids back to is sort of a like a new and improved I, I would say that any educator's goal through this is uh, to now look at how we can better meet the needs of all students, that our one-size-fits-all was not working. And to be frank with you, there are kids that are being very successful in distance learning. There are parents that are claiming, um, you know, for example, I read something on Twitter the other day, and it said, you know, my student was bullied every day last year, mm. and now my child goes to school every day this year in distance learning, has great grades, and loves school. Wow. So... I get it for every parent that says my my kid is struggling because they can't talk to peers. Sure. There are kids that hated the school building. Yeah. There are kids that um, were sick and immunocompromised and couldn't come into the school building anyways. And what we've given them is more access to the education that their peers were getting. Wow. Um, and so for every kind of, it, it's a double-sided coin. For every negative, yeah. there's a positive. Yeah, there, there are kids that are loving having the control um, of their learning. and And that's great. There are kids that are really floundering. And so now what does school look like? Do we have yeah. hybrid models all the time? Do we offer different ways to go to school? Um, right, is right. school for some kids brick and mortar and for other kids, you know, some days I go into the building and some days I don't. I, I think this is our chance to reimagine what school actually is. Do you want to be a part of that process? Absolutely. To, to talk about like what school? Yeah, that would be, I mean, that's to, to reimagine how kids go to school to meet their needs um, is huge. Yeah. If you could figure out a way of staying with me all day <laughs> and then you could maybe dress me and make sure I have my shoes on the right foot. You do sure. that now. <laughs> sure. So you could do. OK. And the, the last, <laughs> Leslie Bird, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who that is. I call her Goldie. You call it Leslie, I guess. Last question. Can you briefly and you can be real, really brief if you like really briefly <laughs> still talk about the shoes on the right foot. Yeah. That only happened twice. Um. While we're still in COVID, while we're still dealing with this, mm -hmm. what resources do parents have? Do students have? Um, distance learning is challenging. I'm yeah. not. I'm not finding myself being successful. I don't even know. I can't go to the building to go talk to the principal, the right. AD, the um, AP rather. Um, mm -hmm. Like uh, who? Do, who do I, you know? The quick resources. So quick. I mean, every school system is different. Sure, but. absolutely. But generically, I mean, your teacher is your main contact point. And now teachers have all sorts of ways to communicate with parents. Some have uh, learning management systems like Canvas or Schoology. Um, others have text messaging services like Remind and Talking Points. Others are using their Google Voice phones from home. Um, but there should be a way. Contact person one is always the classroom, the classroom teacher. teacher. That's where you're going to get the most information. And that person is going to be the most invested in your student um, in, in helping them to, you know, make a change or support them in their learning. Um, there's a lot of things that, especially in this environment, we don't know that students are struggling with. And so if there's yeah. really a problem, you know, it's it's helpful for the parent to communicate that because we can. Right. So number one is teacher. Number two is your guidance counselor because um, okay. your guidance counselor can basically deliver information to all of your teachers. So if it's a, a general issue or my student is struggling in general, especially with mental health issues, you sure. know, as a lot of people have said, my student is really struggling right now. Um, guidance counselor is definitely number two. 
Then we have administrators, but we have school support counselors. We have um, uh, community liaisons and resource officers. Um, and and kind of like you, you don't want to take it all the way to the top, but certainly we have board members. We have things like that. Most schools have web pages, Twitter pages. Okay. Um, you can get in contact. Some schools have Instagram. Um, but it really, your, your first line of defense and probably the most useful resource is contacting teachers. And, and that's really the best thing to do. Cool. Thank you very much for that. I, I think um, I think teachers are doing an amazing job. It's a thankless job. And so I wanted to have you on to represent. You have any shout outs or anything? Well, people do? are doing people are doing uh, very thankless work right now, but they need to know that they're doing work that matters. And, yeah. um, you know, they think they're, you know, every day is a puzzle. So every day we're solving new problems. Being innovative is not all, always easy. And so Teachers are doing tremendous, tremendous work. Right. Give them a break. Yep. Give them a break. Thank you, Miss Goldie. Yep. A lot of grace right now. Parents get grace. Students get grace. Teachers get grace. Just a lot of grace goes all around. Yeah. And doesn't. And even when we come out of COVID, wouldn't it be great? To I live give you a, a lot, lot of grace. grace. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You give me a lot of grace. I didn't know that. Yeah. Some things that I've done wrong, I didn't know it was wrong at the time. So that wasn't That's right. my fault. That's right. But you stayed. It's been 20 years, so you should be used to that by now. That's right. Thank you, Miss Goldie. It's been a it's been a pleasure. A joy. You know what? Are, what are you doing after the podcast, girl? Can I can I holler at you real quick, Yami? Can I can I get at you real quick, girl? And now get, this is over. And now it's over. Okay. <laughs> I'll have some closing thoughts after this. Thank you. Thanks, Dad, and thank you for listening to Attention to Detail. We'll be uploading new podcasts every week, usually on Mondays, and you should be able to find us wherever you get your podcasts. Write a review and like us. You can also follow our sponsor, VIP Consulting, at ericbird.com. Go to ericbird.com and sign up for a free gift. Just our way of thanking you for supporting VIP Consulting and this podcast. Show notes can be found at ericbird.com slash blog, where you can also follow the show on the VIP Consulting Twitter and Facebook pages. Go to churchfacilitiesexpo.com and register. It is happening right now through December. Uh, CFX Virtual is a fantastic thing. I will be speaking on October 19th virtually, but you want to register. Go to churchfacilitiesexpo.com to register. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on Attention to Detail with Eric Bird. Attention. 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 Attention.